0: Check out my new book, Reach All Readers, at reachallreaders.com. When you pre-order, you'll get special access to my Science of Reading mini-course. Learn more at reachallreaders.com. Way back in 2020, when I was first diving deep into the research surrounding how we teach reading, I learned that there was a new book coming called Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into the Balanced Literacy Classroom. And you can bet that I pre-ordered that thing as quickly as I could. I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. By the time it came out in 2021, I really had come to a good understanding of the science of reading and what it meant for how I promote the teaching of reading. But I love the book, and I continue to recommend it to people who are getting started in their science of reading journey. Today, we are honored to speak with the authors of Shifting the Balance, Jan Birkins and Carrie Yates, and we'll get right into it after the intro. Welcome to Triple R Teaching, where we encourage you to think differently about education by helping you reflect, refine, and recharge. This isn't just about trying something new as you educate those entrusted to your care. We'll equip you with simple strategies and practical tips that will fill your toolbox and reignite your passion for teaching. It's time to reflect, refine, and recharge with your host, Anna Geiger. Hello, everybody, and welcome. We're so excited to have Jan Birkins and Carrie Yates, who are authors of Shifting the Balance, 6 ways to bring the science of reading into the balanced literacy classroom. Jan and Carrie have a huge amount of experience between them from classroom teachers to reading interventionists and literacy coaches as well as principal. It's exciting to hear from them to learn what led them to embrace the science of reading and to support teachers as they make shifts in their teaching. So welcome Jan and Carrie. Thank you so much.
1: Anna. Thank you.
2: We're really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad to have you. Can you, um, one of you, maybe start speaking to what it was that got your attention when it comes to this? You know, the current research and and led you to reevaluate some things you've been promoting in in education.
2: Um, I can start. How about that, Jan? Because, sure. Yeah, you know, for me, when the Emily Hanford article first came out, I was in a district leadership position, and I can actually remember when the first teacher forwarded that to. My boss, who then forwarded it to me and said, "What do you make of this?" and and i i I think I wrote a multi-page, fairly irritated response to what I thought of it. Um, but it it got some things playing in the back of my mind, I think, and that article was followed by a whole myriad of others. And there was an Ed Week series that came out um, when I was working with a school in the South. I think maybe about a year later. And I can remember that principal basically was, you know, really thinking about this Ed Week piece and and said to me something like, you know, Carrie, it's really tough out here, right? Mm -hmm. My superintendent is pushing me on the practices that, you know, that the teachers that we're really um, promoting in our school. And what will people like you do to help educators in the field? And by people like you, I think she meant people who are, Doing professional development and writing and blogging and so forth. and And that really felt like a real call to accountability to to dig in more deeply. And I think i I think I actually connected with Jan at a conference um, not too long after that
1: conversation. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was having my own kind of journey. we were we were close friends. And, um, I mean, I had just been watching kind of the tension. I guess tension is almost a euphemism. It's bigger than tension in the field. Polarization. Um, Polarization, just animosity even. Anger attacks, I guess. And like Carrie, I originally dismissed some things. But I, you know, I had been struggling with the use of predictable text And had issues with them. And I can remember being in a workshop thinking, can we even do this? Like, is this working? Like, really? Um, And that was, you know, kind of simultaneous or almost around the same time. So I don't know if I was kind of ripe for opening up to that idea. And I think at that conference that Carrie mentioned, um, there was a a session on the science of reading and what it might mean. And, you know, the audience at that conference was balanced literacy educators. And so we went to that session and were just really struck by the whole tone was about how to rebut, how to shut down what what these criticisms were. And it, I don't know, there was some point in that meeting where I just thought, wait a minute. I mean, Maybe we should take a minute and just listen and look closely. Could this many people be absolutely wrong about something before we shut it all down? I don't know why. I don't know why there was that moment. And 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 I had. I mean, anytime we think about something, since we have an audience, there's always thinking about supporting them. And it, it didn't take long to feel like, wow, we got to think this through. For our readership, we have some responsibility here. And, and you know, you don't have to follow the, that chain of reaction long to, to feel pretty sick at your... Actually, sick at your stomach might be a <laughs> euphemism, too. Like, it's like, oh, gosh. And so then we started talking about writing a book.
2: Well, I think the first thing that happened, Jan, is you invited me to dig into the research with you, to mm-hmm. sort of be a thought partner with you. And if I'm honest, I have to really admit that when when you did and when I said yes, I was probably equal parts interested in strengthening my own ability to rebut a lot of what was being said. Right? like I was pretty interested in being able to forward a strong argument in ways that i didn't I didn't feel equipped to do, but I think what happened along the way was i mean we joke about this, but I think what kept happening for us, we were sort of saying in a variety of ways, like, oh, shift.
1: Like, wow.
2: Oh, um, there's something here to think about that we've got to, you know, there are some there are some things that really affect uh, practices that we both embraced and used ourselves and promoted with other educators. So
0: That is very interesting because I know exactly what you mean. When I read that article, all I was doing, I would go on my walks and I would start to what what can I say? Like I was like, I'm going to write a (laughs) blog post. I'm going to refute this article. And I, it just kept going over and over my head and I never got there because I really didn't have the answers. And so then I went to a Facebook group of other uh, people like me that have blogs or are selling resources. And I, I said, I know a lot of you are on the same page. You do three queuing with level books and everything. What do you think of this article? And and I was only putting that there to get people to help me know how to respond to it, Mm -hmm. to refute it. And I was just so surprised that a whole bunch of people Wrote there that they were they used to be um, they used to teach that way but now they use decodable books and everything else and it was it just opened my eyes like I had no idea it was that big right now and so they mm-hmm. put in a whole bunch of professional books I bought them all started reading but I joined that big science of reading Facebook group at the time and I literally did feel sick um, I could only be in a ten minutes a day because I felt like a visceral reaction to all this stuff and it it was so hard because it, it yeah. felt like it was turning everything I believed upside down. Yeah, and and then uh, you just have to work through it for a while, and you start to realize that not everything you did was wrong, but there, mm-hmm. like you said, there are some shifts you have to make. What were some of? The, do you remember some of the books or resources that you were studying that really helped you see things a little differently?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I'm sure they're the ones you studied too. Marilyn Adams' book was a favorite. I think it's beginning to read, learning, and thinking about print. Mm-hmm. which is not a new book interestingly no it's not a new book and i had read it before i mean i read it in my doctoral program and at the time i zoomed on in on different parts of it mm-hmm. um for some reason it just did not resonate with me the way it did this time around so we did
2: a really deep dive into you know books and articles on mm-hmm. um it's interesting because i was thinking about this 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 idea a bit of favorite resources and i mean i personally a resource that we learned about only later and it 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 we didn't know it at the time we're writing the book but boy this is a beauty and it's making speech visible Mm -hmm. um yes Yes. can help children organize it's um janine heron Mm
1: -hmm. and boy is that a beautiful book
2: beauty that i wish we'd have had and That's the kind of a book we're always we found ourselves longing for in all of the reading we were doing. We kept asking ourselves, kind of, how do you how do you bridge the research and the practice in really practical ways for teachers? But I love that book, Uh, the -hmm. David Kilpatrick, Equipped for Reading Success, which you know it's a spiral bound book that has a lot of exercises for building phonemic proficiency. But boy, the front matter of that that text really I found that so helpful. You know, we're always looking for resources that are sort of helpful in synthesizing the the bits mm-hmm. and pieces. And that was one that
1: mm-hmm. really stood
2: out to me too.
1: No better, do better yes. by David and Meredith Lieben. And they were actually very kind to us in the writing of it. They were they were very gracious and supportive in sending us resources. I mean, we really tried to find meta-analyses and work from meta-analyses as much as possible. I don't know. We were bordering on manic, I think, with just kind of <laughs> immersing There's ourselves so to for in. 15 hours a day for yeah. a year.
2: The other experience that was happening for me, kind of at the beginning of this, was I was participating in letters mm-hmm. training in my home district. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't think it would be... Um, we wouldn't want to leave out Louisa Motes right, and her right. influence in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And Speech friend, to print. my first yep. run through that letters text is also—I mean, there's a few pages that are just—I kind of almost giggle now when I look at my angry scribblings all over them because <laughs> I was a little triggered on day one, especially <laughs> I remember
0: um can you remember she called me and she was like
1: oh my gosh you won't believe what they're saying
0: this is so funny because i actually (laughs) when i when i bought all those books that they recommended that facebook group the first time through i had a lot of comments on the side like well so he says or blah 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 because i i didn't and i would always look and see what do they say about three queuing because that's why Uh uh, i was uh still holding on to that Um, but now i read them differently and i i understand but it just it just takes a lot of reading the same thing over and over for it to all start Mm -hmm. to come together and start to make sense.
2: There's this Willingham article that is about um, comprehension. And we read that article early on, but we've come back to it um, Mm -hmm. recently because it has become a favorite resource to share with other educators. And such a great example for me of background knowledge Mm
1: -hmm. and how background knowledge,
2: you know, really affects what you take out of a text.
1: One of the things we were thinking about, in addition to the fact that some of the text are are pretty dense or maybe inaccessible if you're just getting into this, was that there, in some, in many, there's a lot of language that we had to really read past that was really triggering. like there there are some references to uh, some things that just really could make someone really, really triggered. And it began to confirm for us kind of like, one of the reasons, perhaps, that balanced literacy educators were more hesitant about this is because if they went and picked up one of these books, they might feel attacked. And so um, it was just confirmation that there, there might be something we could do that would be of service to balanced literacy educators. So You've
2: tried to approach this under the umbrella idea that, yes, this is head work, but this is also heart work. And we're really mm-hmm. calling on people to in some cases, make smaller shifts to their practice, but in some cases make some really um substantial shifts that require you know letting go i mean it's it's no small thing to think about what what's being said about three queuing systems so mm-hmm. head work and heart work and I think for me, although initially when Jan said we should write about this um uh, I mean, it is not a lie when I say my answer was absolutely not. You think I'm going to just throw myself headlong into this? (laughs) No, (laughs) not going to do that. But she's persistent in ways that if you don't know Jan, you maybe don't yet know the definition of the word persistent. I mean, I think for me, what became appealing, what really drew me into this was wanting to find a way to share information in such a way that supports the heartwork side of this. And and honestly, we've been called out on this idea that, you know, maybe we've, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe we're sort of mollycoddle teachers, or we act like teachers can't handle the truth. Of course, that's not what we think. We know teachers can handle the truth. But I think we want to do it with um, respect. And we challenged ourselves to really think about not just the science of learning to read, but also, what's the science of, human and organizational change and what do we need to do in order to support this really important change work within organizations because the change can only happen through adults and if adults are feeling attacked or you know threatened, defensive, they're never going to be their best with children. Mm-hmm. and we just i think came to believe that maybe that was a place where we could situate some work not that we're the experts on science of reading we try to be uh-huh. super clear like what we've written is just like an entry point maybe starts to help you build some background knowledge that 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 is you know supportive to you as you decide what else you're going to read or do to to grow yourself mm-hmm
0: yeah I think that's great, and like when I look at your book, I think of it as a bridge as a starter's guide, a beginner's mm-hmm. guide and mm-hmm. i I know I read that criticism too that this idea uh, I think it was someone who said teachers just teachers are fine they're they're not that sensitive, you can just say it like it is And I'm like well, if that's really what's been done for the last forty years, it hasn't worked <laughs> teachers teachers um love what they do and they're passionate about what they do, but they're also passionate about how they do it, mm-hmm. and for someone to come mm-hmm. in and accuse them of you know that what you're doing is damaging kids like that's harsh language. Um, but for teachers mm-hmm. to really to say it in a gentle way, I tried this in that Facebook group. I, I tried to say, can we have a gentle discussion about the difference between balance and structure literacy? And I, we had a really good discussion going because I know a lot of people leave that group when they first joined because they ask a question and someone jumps on them. And after it was, it was going really well. And then someone jumped in at all caps. i I'm, I'm so sick of this gentle stuff. It's time to just, you know, and then she just started yelling at people yelling. I say in quotes, but that's what it feels like when you're using all caps. And I just, I just shut the post down. Cause I was just like, this is not, this is not helpful. Like just yelling at people to change doesn't work.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we understand the argument that, that, Children can't wait, right? And they've got a limited window and there is real urgency and, and one, Mm -hmm. you know, making one tiny little shift won't do it, but also we're real believers in the domino effect. And if you Mm -hmm. can get some momentum going, then big things can potentially follow, but taking care of ourselves and each other, um, is
0: an important part of the work as well. You know, I think some people in the balanced literacy community are very concerned about switching to the quote the science of reading and you don't really switch to the science of reading, but mm-hmm. you know <laughs> what that's been called because it sounds very clinical, very boring. And that's not why they became teachers. They became teachers because mm-hmm. they love literacy and reading and, and they want to communicate that. And they're afraid that by, you know, making the shift, they're going, that's not going to happen. What would you say to teachers who are hesitant? Because, because you do speak a lot to balanced literacy teachers. What, what have you oh, found? Mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess a better question is what have you found has been a point, a big point of resistance for them?
2: I'm a believer that anytime there is, resi- I mean, resistance is how fear presents itself. Information is helpful. One of the ways we w- we decided to write the book that I think really works is to situate misunderstand to select misunderstandings and, and to sort of untangle misunderstandings. Um, and I think that has worked. I just want to say that I I think at the heart of the matter is every educator knows. And and thinks about students they haven't been able to help to learn to read and write in the ways that they wanted to. And that's what we lean on when we need courage for this work. It's like we all know what we've done in the past hasn't hasn't worked for all children. And so the good news is that there is evidence, there are other ways of doing this that will be more effective for many of the children who um, have not succeeded in our current systems.
1: I think when you ask what are the points that get kind of pushback, I, I don't feel like we get a ton of pushback from balanced literacy educators. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about it till you just said it. But I think the way that we wrote the book was it starts with comprehension, which is like it's a point of agreement, right? And and then um, it, the the science builds gradually so that by the time you get to Chapter 5, which is kind of this the biggest like... <sighs> you know moment where you're taking you know you're rethinking msv um and then chapter 6 decodable text by then you understand a bit of the why mm-hmm. and so something about building that case kind of logically and gradually and the other thing i think too is if we meet with hesitation or resistance i don't know if it's from raising teenagers i don't know what it is we've learned a little bit about not just pushing back harder and and kind of taking a deep breath. Being dogmatic and categorical and absolute is the last thing that is persuasive to people. So we've done some reading about kind of how um, resistance manifests and, and embracing curiosity and vulnerability and finding entry points as as ways to go about this work. Really so, listening
2: also for the grain of truth because usually with mm-hmm. resistance. Um, there's some truth to whatever the, the pushback is, and people need to feel heard. They need to feel honored in their concerns.
1: The reason we did the online class was because the book could only do so much, and the online class just, it follows the same structure, but it just goes a lot deeper, and it's a lot more methodical of that building. There is kind of a a landscape of those chapters. Like you don't just dip into chapter three or chapter four or chapter five. The book is meant to be building and cumulative. And so. And um,
2: every shift, whether in the book or in the online class, starts with the why. Start with clearing up those misunderstandings. And then we move to really practical shifts for the classroom. I mean, we want for every educator to read our book and come away thinking, wow. Some of my current practices were really affirmed. Like I can do even (laughs) more of certain things. They're really Mm -hmm. on track with what's going to make learning to read easier. And there are certain Mm -hmm. practices that maybe I have that I need to strengthen or that I used to use. We hear from people all the time. I used to do that. I quit doing it. I'm going to bring that back, right? That need refreshing or revising. And then, of course, some practices that we need to say, we thought it was right at the time, but now we know better. We're going to let go of that one and and move on or do it differently.
0: So you have your book Shifting the Balance which of course Mm -hmm. we'll link to that in the show notes as well as your online course. Now how how often does the course open? We run it six times a year. Okay so Um, it's very accessible and you have you have a website I know with resources for the book. Can you talk a little bit about those?
2: Yeah we have lots of free downloads on the site. Um, If you if you have the book you know that the book is laced with um you know, here's more resources to support that. Um, But those resources are free and downloadable to anybody, whether you're reading the book or not. And um, there's something there to support the shift in every chapter. And we do add to those downloadables all the time. You know, when our book came out, we had the chance to learn from many other people who read our book Mm -hmm. and who had ideas for us. And Mm -hmm. it gives us a chance to, again, practice that managing our defenses and really trying to listen Mm -hmm. for the the truth in what's being said to us, even though some days it's not that fun to open your email or look at your Facebook and (laughs) see what what someone has to offer you. But we really took to heart some of the feedback we got about um, shifts five and six, because some of the feedback was maybe we didn't go far enough and maybe we left it murky or unclear to teachers in terms of what was Mm -hmm. intended there. And we have um, a part of our website that's dedicated to really answering some questions about that for people who might have questions about that. Mm -hmm. And in our online class, we took extra care to really be explicit and clear about our intentions with five and six. Mm -hmm. And we've been really careful to have that work vetted by some people who are deeply embedded in the, you know, embedded in the science of reading communities.
1: Chapter four, which is about uh, sight words seems to be one of the most accessible entry points because balanced literacy educators don't feel like they're nailing sight word instruction, I mean, for the most part. So, you know, they don't love flashcards, but Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of folks are doing. And so we have some resources, a mini course, and some classroom materials coming out to support high-frequency word word instruction. So... Great.
0: Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all that you guys are doing to bridge the gap, uh, because that's just so important and hard to find people who are who understand both sides and are open and honest about what they're learning. So it was a, a treat to have you here. And, and I'll definitely link to all those things in the show notes.
1: Yeah, we appreciate yeah. you.
2: We so yeah. appreciate you. And we really are appreciative of this opportunity.
1: We, we do appreciate you as a as a bridge builder. And, you know, it seems like your work is particularly addressing the ongoing question of, um, I mean, among other things, the what are the children doing while teachers are working with small groups? And, um, you know, we've been impressed by the materials that that you put out there. And the, we first heard of you when we were with Marnie Ginsburg, oh. and she was referring to bridge builders. Um, I think she mentioned you and Margaret Goldberg and... Um, So we're, we're grateful for being able to connect with you.
0: Well, thank you very much. I'm always excited when someone has heard of me (laughs) and, (laughs) and to be in the same sentence as Margaret Goldberg is a big compliment. (laughs) I really have a lot of respect for her. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank
2: you so
1: much.
0: Yeah. Take care, Anna. Thank you so much for listening today. And you can check out the show notes for this episode at themeasuredmom.com forward slash episode 88. That's all for this episode of Triple R Teaching. For more educational resources, visit Anna at her home base, themeasuredmom.com, and join our teaching community. We look forward to helping you reflect, refine, and recharge on the next episode of Triple R Teaching.